1: Yes, many can claim to know God, yet they have nothing to do with shining His light.
2: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we're starting a brand new message titled Seeking Our Main Purpose in John chapter 15. Let's jump right in.
1: You know, there are many things in life that have like a main purpose, right? Right. Like there's many things that we use for certain things, but yet we use them for other things too. Like your common everyday butter knife. You're thinking, Pastor, I hope you got something more than a butter knife this morning. I do, but let's start with a butter knife. You know, its main purpose is what? To put butter on a piece of bread. Yet many times a common butter knife can be used for a pry bar. That's right. Or a screwdriver. Admit it. You've done it in the past. It's not what it was made for, but it can work in a time of need. Or how about peanut butter? It's the PB of PB&J, okay? Yet, as most moms know, peanut butter can be used also to help get gum out of your child's hair. Yes, there are all kinds of products that can do, you could call it double duty. But others... Not so much, like a heat gun that's made to remove paint. It produces temperatures in excess of 1,000 degrees. And the warning label says, do not use as a hairdryer, that is, unless you like the look of bald and you like to smell like fajitas, okay? You shouldn't use that. That's why we have warning labels. Like on a pair of earplugs that said, these are non-toxic and they may interfere with breathing if caught in a windpipe. Are people now eating earplugs? I mean, I'm not sure why the warning label says that. Yes, there are are many things in life that have just one purpose, like the earplug. And other things, like a butter knife, that can be used for, well, several different things. But in the same way, you and me, as humans, we are multi-talented Consider my wife, she has single-handedly cracked the coat on the apple pie. In fact, she's made these apple pies for people like Pastor Greg Laurie, who says it's the best apple pie on planet Earth. Then she's made them for people like Franklin Graham, son of famed evangelist Billy Graham. And he says, that is the best apple pie I have ever had. So yes, my wife has cracked the coat of the apple pie. But when you look deep into the very core of really all of us, Beyond all of our abilities that we have in constructing great things in the world, man has constructed great things, great buildings like the tower in Dubai that's some 2,700 feet high. That's a thousand foot higher than our biggest building here in America, which is, you know, uh, one uh, you know World Trade Center place or whatever they call it, uh, you know, and that's 1,776 feet tall. But anyway, we have this never-ending advanced technology in our culture today. We make things that can do incredible things. I mean, think about it. Our smartphones have more capacity to save information than our early computers had, and it's all on a smartphone. What is, though our real purpose? That's the question. Even though man has created all kinds of things, what is our real and true purpose? What has God created humans for? That's a great question. And here's the answer. We are made, we have been created to glorify God. Psalm 86-9 says this, all nations whom thou has made shall come in worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. That's what we were created to do notice he has made us not only has he created us but he did die on the cross for our sins the creator came down to die for his own creation first corinthians 6 20 says for you have been bought with a price a price therefore glorify god in your body what was the price that was paid for you and me the creator himself was bludgeoned to death on the cross his blood poured out of his body. He took your punishment, my punishment, on his body on the tree. And Jesus said, well, How are we to glorify him? How are we to glorify him in our bodies? Ephesians 5 8 says, For you were formerly darkness. See, we walked. Separated from God. All we thought about it was ourselves. We were like beasts. And we just did what we thought was good in our own eyes. Let me serve the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. He says, but now you are of the light. The light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So we're different now. We come into a relationship with God. Now he says, I have a higher calling for you. I want you to walk as children of the light. Now today, as we continue in this study through the gospel of John, we will see once again what our one true purpose really is. As you remember from last time, Jesus and the disciples, they were celebrating the last Passover together. Soon, Jesus will be betrayed by Judas Iscariot in just a matter of hours. He'll be sold for 30 pieces of silver. That's what Judas sold them out for, price of a common slave. Jesus was preparing the disciples to be the voice of the new church age. And we, like them, have been called to our generation like the disciples were called to their generation. We are called to be instruments of God's purpose. For God has always filled and used his people to do his work. Like when he called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he raised up a brand new people through Abraham called the Israelites. Or Moses in Exodus to deliver God's people from slavery. How about David? He was called to be a king over God's people. Why? Because he had a heart that was after God's own heart. And just like God has called many throughout the history of humanity to minister to stubborn and obstinate people, he has also called you and me physically to serve him in our day and age right now. And he has promised to equip us spiritually to do the unbelievable. Well, my prayer today for all of us is that we would grasp our true purpose as a people of true destiny. And now with that in mind, and in light of our title, Seeking Our Main Purpose, we will consider three points. Number one, bearing fruit. God wants us to bear fruit in our life. There wants to be some kind of evidence that we are true believers. Number two, giving back. We are called to give back from all that he has given us. And number three, having joy. Are we not all desiring to have joy in our own heart and some kind of peace? Well, God wants us to have that. Well, let's look at our first point, bearing fruit. As we read together, starting in John chapter 15, we'll pick up, of course, in verse 1. He says, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. We'll stop there for a moment. Wow. There's a lot here in this text. This is an unbelievable portion of scripture here. Jesus is using a metaphor here of a gardener. First, let us establish who is who again in this story. Verse 1 said that Jesus is the vine, and that God the Father is the vine dresser. Verse 5 adds that you and me, we are the branches. Notice in verse 1, Jesus said that he is the true vine. Now, why did he say that? Well, back in the Old Testament, Israel was referred to as a vine. And as you know, a vine is a source of life for that which is to bear fruit. And what was Israel's calling? They were called as the keepers of the word of God their light was supposed to shine into this dark world for one specific reason. And that was to bear fruit as they were to point all nations to the living God. That was the original calling of Abraham. Genesis twelve three, that you would be the bearers of light to all the nations of the world. They were not to say, mine, like a toddler, this is mine, we'll just keep it all to ourselves. No, the Israelites were raised up to be bearers of light to all the world. That's what their calling was. They were to be the keepers of that. Yet they failed in this calling. Listen to what God said to Israel in the Old Testament, again, while using this same metaphor that Jesus is using here in John 15. Isaiah 5, 4 says, what more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done for it, God said. Why, when I expected it to produce good grapes, did it produce worthless ones? Like, what more can I do for you? I've given you everything, and there's no fruit coming from you. Yes, God invested himself into the people of Israel. He protected them. He fought their battles for them. He provided their every need. And what did they give him back in return? Nothing. Nothing. They lived for themselves as they forsook God's commandments. Their hands were always out for his blessings, yet when it came to fulfilling their true calling as being a light to all the other surrounding nations around them, they found themselves too busy. They allowed their hearts to grow cold as their devotion stagnated, and then ultimately they rejected their own Messiah when he came. We in America... Christians have done many of the same things. We've done many of the same things. And because of that, listen to what God had to say to the Israelites. And this could be said to many in the church here today. He says in Isaiah 1.12, he says this, when you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. I am weary of burying them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply your prayers, I'm not going to listen to you. Wow. Wow. Now, you're thinking, now, why would God be this way with his own people, the apple of his eye, the Israelites? And why would God be that way to people, Christians today? It's because God doesn't like the hypocrisy that happens in many people's lives, where they play like, oh, I'm with the Lord and I'm God's chosen people and I've asked Jesus in my heart and I'm born again, and yet we don't live it out and there's no fruit in our lives. Now, Given back to Isaiah chapter 1, after he said that, he goes on to say, but come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as red as scarlet, though you've completely walked away from me, though you've completely blown me off and you haven't done anything I've asked you to do, come and let us talk about it. Let us reason together. And I will take and I'll make your sin as white as snow. See, God has always been like, look, I'm going to tell you reality, but then Can you come back? Can we start this over again? Can we get a reboot on this? Yes, many can claim to know God, yet they have nothing to do with shining his light. But knowing God in God's eyes is meaning that we're going to shine his light and we're going to bear fruit. See, they have not allowed, these people in the Old Testament, along with many Christians today, have not allowed the word of God to affect change in their personal lifestyles. God wants change in us. Now you might ask, "Well, okay, pastor, so what is it exactly as a believer today, whether I'm a Messianic Jew or I'm a Gentile believer in Christ, what does it mean for me to bear fruit today?" Well, let's consider that here for a moment as we look at our second point, giving back. Yes, many will spend the majority of their time, their talents, and all the resources on themselves. The unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. What can I do for me today? How can I bless me today? It's all about me while neglecting what's most important. A man and or a woman's commitment can be seen by how willing they are to simply obey what the Bible says about being a light in this dark world. See, one of the things that God said in the Old Testament in Ezekiel two seven, he says, but I want you to share the word. He says, but I want you to speak to them whether they listen or not. For there are a rebellious people. So God is saying like, look, I want you to go out and tell people about me. Now I'm going to tell you right up front. They're not going to want to listen to you. They're not going to want to hear you. They're not going to want to, you know, they're not just going to fall over backwards. Like, oh, gee, thank you so much. You know, they're a rebellious and obstinate people. But I want you to tell them anyway, because some of them might listen. Like people like, let me see me. I listened at 18, a rebellious and obstinate person that was doing everything wrong in my life. But yet when someone told me this message, I had an ear and I listened. And it changed the course and direction of my life. And many of you are in the same shoe. They, You listened and that's why you're a believer here today. Yes, God wants us to be a light that shines. He wants us to be vocal about a relationship with him. Many will get completely turned off on this second point. And that has to do with your wallet. Now, see, one thing I've learned about people in my 42 years of being a Christian is, it's like, you don't really have that person. Like, God, you know, you can say I'm a believer, but until God has the wallet... It's like, I don't know if you're a real believer or not. Now, we barely ever talk about money here at CORE Church. If you've been coming here for a while, you'll know that we hardly talk. So if you're now here for the first time, you're thinking like, oh, here we go. We're at that church. They're talking about money. I want to give you a way out right now. Your wallet is safe. Okay, I just want you I want you to know that. We have not installed little cameras in the seats that's saying, what's in your wallet today? No, we're not going to look into that, and you don't have to do anything none of that so we're not going to peek in your wallet but God speaks a lot about stewardship and that stewardship is connected with how willing we are to be who God wants us to be he talks a lot about finances in the Bible he calls all of us as believers listen to chip in to complete the work that God desires to do here on planet earth. Not only here in the church, in the building here, the teaching, all the ministries that happen here, the counseling, the teaching of your children, all of those things and equipping of saints, but also in the effect that we can have on Los Angeles in the region that we're in here. See, I felt like when we came to Los Angeles to start the church, I felt like a missionary's to los angeles see because the united states has sent missionaries all over the world but by sending missionaries all over the world one thing that the united states has done we forgot about ourselves and we're a mess here our country's a mess and so you're not seeing revival in America, you're seeing a big resistance against God. You're seeing where people don't, they call the Bible the hate book now. You know, all of these things. So while we were sending missionaries all over the world, we forgot about ourselves. So I felt like, man, going to the second largest city in America and planting a flag of truth and teaching God's word uncompromised, probably not a bad thing to do. So that's why we did it. So God uses people to fund. Now, listen, God already said all the gold on the thousand hills is already mine. All the cattle on the thousand hills. Not one cow's heart would be beating in its chest with no batteries if it wasn't for God keeping that cow alive. Okay. God's the one to put all the gold in the ground. So though we might wear a gold ring or a gold chain or, you know, gold here, gold there, gold everywhere, whatever. Okay. It's all God's because he's the one that made it all. Okay. So God established a system way back at the beginning. And he called all believers to tithe what we earn. Now, the very word tithe in the Hebrew language means a tenth. So we are to give God 10% of what we earn. And God is saying, you can have the other 90%. I want this little sliver and you can keep 90% for yourself. It's called tithing. Now, some have used all kinds of gimmicks to get people to do this. They prod them, they poke them, they guilt trip them. I don't do any of those things. I don't prod people, I don't force people, I don't poke you, I don't try to guilt trip you into giving money. Because I feel that my job as a pastor is to just teach you what the Word of God says. It's entirely up to you on whether you are going to obey what God says to do or not. So you have to decide, are you going to obey this? Or are you not going to obey this? Listen to what God has to say about our finances in the book of Malachi. So in Malachi chapter 3, God asks a question in verse 8. He says, will you rob God? Will you rip me off? People are like, excuse me? It's like, will we rip you off? Like, are, am I going to go steal from God himself? He says, you are robbing me, every one of you. He says, but you say, well, how have we robbed you? And God says, in your tithes and your offerings. He says, bring in the whole tithe. God didn't say, well, bring in what you feel is right. Yeah, you bring in 2%. Oh, bring in like 4%. Hey, I'm at 8.3%. Okay. It's like He says, bring the whole tithe in. What's a tithe again? It's a tenth. Bring the whole tithe in. Don't shortchange me. You're ripping me off. He says, bring it into the storehouse. That's where you fellowship. So that there may be food in my house. So that the lights can be on. That pastors can be paid. You know, that ministry can happen. That we can buy children's curriculum for the children. And all the little coloring things that they do. And the children's ministry. And all the outreach that we do. He says... Test me, though, in this. Now, God's like always, you know, don't test God. You know, don't put me to the test. I'll roast you, okay? that's so he has said in other places, but here he has a little asterisk. I'm going to give you an opportunity to test me in this because I know how you are, and I know how you are with your wallet. So I'm going to allow you to test me in this. He says, you test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing until it overflows. Wow, so... You know, when I look at my marriage to my wife, that we've been married 40 years now, 40 and a half years almost. So it's like when we were married just two or three months, someone had shared this. And I'm like, well, that's not going to (laughs) happen. It's like, I'm not giving 10% of what I make. It's like, we can barely survive now. We can barely pay our rent. How am I going to give 10%? I like, we're not going to do it. But then I thought to myself, well... At least let me go and check it out. So I read this verse and several other verses and I kind of got done after studying it out for about two hours. I just, I went to my wife. I said, you know, I think God really wants us to do this, this 10% thing. And my wife said, then let's do it. And so after two, three months of our marriage, we started tithing. And it's just like for 40 years we've done. Now, this is not Pastor Steve talking to you. This is just, hey, I'm just a construction worker. That's all I was. We were barely Christians when we first got married. I mean, we were babies in the Lord. And, you know, I'm just working out there by the sweat of my brow. And it's like we started tithing. So here's the testimony four decades later. The testimony is this. All 40 years, we never missed one payment on any bill ever in our life. That's the testimony from me. I'm just giving my personal testimony. There was never a bill we never paid. Now, there were several times we were down to the last pinto bean, okay? And it's like, and I mean, when there was no food in the cabinets, there was times where we, we struggled so much and we were so up against the wall. And those were the times that we would open the front door and there'd be bags of groceries on the porch, there times where we didn't have money for anything and someone would slip money into my Bible at church and I, we'd be going home and it's like, well, where'd this money come from? And it's like, there was all kinds of times where the Lord gave side jobs, where it's like, we just work to do on the side and all of this, it just came out of nowhere right in a time of need. God showed himself faithful because we obeyed what he said to do. And then he goes on in Malachi and he says, oh, and by the way, I will also rebuke the devourer in your life. Who's the devourer? That's Satan. It's like, what is that worth? He says, I'm gonna rebuke the devil in your life. Wow, that is worth a lot. But many in churches today will say that they know God, yet by their own fruits, the evidence of their life... They would say, or maybe lack of godly fruit, they end up denying Him.
2: That's all the time we have for today's message, but please continue to join us this week as we go through the Gospel of John, Chapter 15. You've been listening to Pastor and Bible Teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you.